Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Food for Thought, a podcast gab fest where a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex, <laughs> identity, culture, what we like to read, and who we like to read. Mm-hmm. Food for Thought, our knowledge of gutter sluttery is truly exhausting. Thank you. <laughs> I am tired. I am it's, tired it's where of we us. Live. It's truly, we live, we live in the gutters. We want to live in the gutters, but right now we are not living in the gutters because it's got, things have gotten a little rough in New York and yes. LA and we are once again, um, staying in as much as possible. Where are you, Den? So, y'all, okay, real talk. Um, my beloved roommate and friend tested positive for COVID and got sick last week. So we, I know, they're doing okay. They're 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 getting better, but it is, like, lingering. Like, it's been five or six days that they've yeah. been sick now. Um, it is lingering. And so, you know, we're constantly in touch and checking in on each other. And, of course, I'm, I'm elsewhere. I'm staying in another friend's apartment, which happens to be a penthouse in Midtown Manhattan. It is fabulous mm. with a stunning view. Um, and I'm using it as, like, a little bit of a writing residency in all the hours that I'm not um, working, which is great. Amazing. But I have to say, I felt really, like, I... I was a little worried about leaving my roommate. I was like, if you, I don't want you to feel like you're alone. Like if you need me to bring things, like I can do that masked and all that, you know, like we're in touch all the time, but I was a little bit like, I don't want to leave this person and then have them it's like hard. die in their sleep. It's hard. Yeah. There are, by the yeah. way, there are COVID hotels in New York city where if you're in a roommate situation and it's not easy to isolate, you can go into a COVID hotel. Uh, they give you three meals a day. They give you transportation there and back. Uh, mm-hmm. And they check on you in the middle of the night to make your still uh, make sure you're still breathing. So oh, nice. there's that because yeah. that's important. Yeah. That's I'm important. sorry, that but that important. sounds like the scariest, most dystopian thing I've ever heard of. I know it's essential, but goddamn, it's fucking it is dark. A dystopian. They yeah. only let you smoke weed downstairs and outside during your one hour of outside. Listen, time. thank yeah. God for that. You get an hour of outside. That's like prison. Y- it's giving prison with weed, which you know what. <laughs> Honestly, I stand. I stand. Do it if you have to do it. Save lives. Get high in prison. Let's. Can you take an edible anytime though? Is that a thing? I bet you can take edibles anytime. Yeah. I mean, it also we. This is a thing in my COVID advocacy um, with housing works. Very early on in the pandemic, we actually got that they're supposed to be um, doing harm minimization um, in the hotels, so that people, if people leave, they should be allowed to come back. People actually should be allowed to smoke and drink and use substances in their rooms because it's obviously a lot of unhoused people um, Mm -hmm. that have this need, uh, and people need to be able to take care of themselves the best they can so if if you do by the way if you do run into issues where the the COVID hotel in your city and you're in new york is not allowing you to do these things get in contact with housing works and they will advocate for you amazing Mm. amazing it's everything is exhausting y'all so exhausting i just like walk by like the like uh, there's like a uh, place called larchmont that's like near my apartment and it's like it's like a it's a street that looks like every small new england town like it looks like amherst it looks like bronxville it looks like all those places just like one street with all the things and like walking down the street my mask on i'm looking at all the people eating on the sidewalk and eating indoors and like talking at each other and i'm just like oh contagion (laughs) oh yeah no it doesn't it's like it, it gives me it's totally i'm back in like Anytime I'm indoor with anyone, I'm in heebie-jeebie mode. When I have to take the train to work and someone, like, sneezes down at the other end of the train, mm-hmm. I'm, like, wanting to wash off. I want to rip off my skin. It's, like, it's not fun. Okay, I had a head cold very bad last week that I was just, like, testing every day to make sure I didn't have COVID. And that shit, like, it took me out for longer than COVID <laughs> took out Nikki. Yeah. Mm, how, how many times no. did you test, Teebs? How I many tests did you take? Four. With with what with ha- with different tests I or did, the same tests always? I did PCR tests at the corner in yes. Koreatown, and then I also love had that. home tests that I did every single Great. day. So yeah. responsible, we love that for you. I'm yeah. also doing. I have at this point done three tests: two home tests, one PCR, and I have another PCR coming up on Wednesday tomorrow. 
and yeah. hopefully, and I've been testing negative, thankfully, but it's, okay. you never know. Hello, I'm Tommy Teebs Pico. I'm a poet, screenwriter, TV writer, and if you're following my hot sauce journey, I do believe I have a permanent case of IBS, so I will never be bottoming again. <laughs> oh, the butt pains. I am Joseph Osmondson, scientist, nonfiction writer, and I am a flamer in that I'm very close to burning out. Whoa. Oh. Funny, but sad. <laughs> you you be flying too close to the sun. That's what it is. That Icarus. Is, that it is a full Icarus story with you. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Den Michelle Norris. I'm a reader and a writer and a former figure skater. And um, unlike... Tommy, although I am not bottoming currently because things are so bad that I'm, 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 I've hit pause for the moment. I guarantee you that I will live to bottom again. 2022 is on. It's on like popcorn. We doing it. Period. And okay. um, we have one of our illustrious guests um, this week. Fran had to sit out, and so. Um, we have um, Head Thought Intern, Kenya Love. Go ahead, introduce yourself. Hi, y'all. I'm Kenya Denise. I am a co-founder mm. of Domino Sound, a writer, and I have never lost a twerk competition. I've wow. never even come in second. And you never I have, will. <clears throat> I have seen... Kenya in at least two twerk competitions. I, cannot, I can verify. I, I just can verify. Can, had to let y'all know. And can I just say, bitches as skinny as Kenya should not be able to twerk <laughs> quite so well. Agreed. Listen, Real talk. Listen, Real talk. It's that metaphorical thick. It's that thick you can't see. You got to work with shit outside of your body, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's real. She it's completely the, real. It's, it's You have the spirit of a thick bitch. Exactly. The spirit yeah. of a thick bitch <laughs> is what Thick I with have. three Cs. Mm-hmm. I'm happy you saw that. I'm happy you saw that. <laughs> Joe, why don't you give oh, us yeah. the menu today? All right, y'all. Our show today is all about being burnt out, being tired, being fatigued. We start with an amuse-bouche, as I mentioned, with what we're all the most tired of right now, which is this new COVID variant situation and what the fuck is going on. And to end, for dessert, we consider single balls, single balls, single all the way. Shut up, Joe. <laughs> You're a great that singer. was cute. That was really it. cute. I chuckle. A for single balls. I chuckled. I'm here for it. Mm, buck, 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 because it's time we start the top of the show the way any good top should with a little tease, our uproarious appetizer segment amuse Bush. And why don't you tickle our tongues, Joe? Yeah, I'm just going to start by addressing what is Omerion? Literally. And is it, is it out here? Um, oh, Omicron is a variant uh, of SARS-CoV-2, which is the virus that causes uh, COVID-19. Um, a bunch of variants have come about, the alpha beta variant, the beta variant. Those actually weren't such a big deal. The first real variant that we had was the Delta variant, where honestly, May, June of last year, we were sitting pretty good with vaccinations, like cases in New York City were at or around 100 per day. I was feeling really good, you know, going to bars unmasked with vaccine checks and stuff. Ugh, and then the day the summer, back in the day, just, just can we stay mm. there for one second longer? Just Ugh, one second. Just, Don't take it away from me just yet. Okay. Take it away from me. And mm. then the summer of Delta hit. Right. Mm. And uh, that really showed us that a more transmissible variant can really change the game. And even though vaccinations in places like New York were 70 plus percent, we still had to go back to our mitigation strategies of wearing masks and social distancing. It was a real bummer. And that kept going through our Delta wave. Never, really stopped. And then, um, oh God, it was November around thanks around Thanksgiving time. We got early reports from incredible scientists in South Africa who identified a novel variant uh, that was circulating at some level in the population. And when we say a variant, what we means is, you know, SARS-CoV-2 is around 30,000 letters in its in the entirety of its genome. So it takes 30,000 RNA letters to write its own recipe for itself to get into your cells, replicate, and get out. And variance just means changes in that genetic code, right? So it's literally a mutation, a change in the code. And this was a very concerning variant from the get because 
the protein that sits on the outside of the virus is called the spike protein. And it's the protein that both attacks, uh, um, attaches to your cells to get into your cells. But it's also really the only protein that can be recognized by antibodies like that are um, elicited by the vaccine. So if there's a ton of changes in the spike protein, that can mean that the virus is no longer recognizable by many of the antibodies that the, the vaccine elicited. And so that was the worry. Holy shit, there's 30 plus mutations in the spike protein alone. That is huge amount of what we call antigenic drift. So the antigen, the spike protein is just changing. And the question was then, is this change going to allow it to evade the immune response? There are basically two ways that a virus can evolve to do better in a population that has either already been infected with uh, COVID or has already been vaccinated against COVID. It can replicate faster. That's what Delta did. Just better at replication. More breakthrough infections, more hospitalizations, more deaths. It's a bummer. But the, a virus can also evolve to evade immunity. So even if it replicates more slowly, it replicates better in people who have been previously infected or previously vaccinated. And that's what what early clear evidence at this point um, is is what Omicron is doing. So it's actually not as transmissible as Delta, we think, but it's better at infecting people who have been uh, vaccinated or infected. And particularly if you've been infected or if you've only had one dose of mRNA or even two doses of mRNA, that that what we considered complete vaccination before will still protect you against the, the worst outcomes, hospitalization and death, but actually doesn't protect you very well at all against COVID infection. The good news, though, Kenya is making a crazy face. The good news is that mRNA boosters bring that protection against infection back up to above 70%. Okay, so that is still a really good vaccination protocol. So that's why we're out here saying, you know, number one, get your booster. That will protect yourself and people around you. Number two, you know, we are in a, a situation that is changing so rapidly. Right. As of today, December 21st, when we're recording, we just found out that um, the CDC is estimating that 75 percent of new covid cases are due to the Omicron variant. That is un unheard of in terms of like the expansion of that variant in a population. Wait, I have uh, a question so, that just came yeah, to mind. Please. How are they mm -hmm. figuring out that most of the cases are Omicron? Like when you when you're getting a yep. test rapid PCR, you're not getting your actual variant on the test, right? You're just so that you you will never see those data. Hmm. Um, there are two ways that we can figure out um, the variant that you have. One is an easy way that we actually are very lucky to be able to use. It's called S gene dropout. Okay, Delta. So um, a PCR test tests for three different genes in the viral RNA, uh, and one of those genes is the spike protein, the S protein. Now. Uh, Omicron has mutated so much that the test no longer recognizes the S gene, Ooh. but will recognize the other two genes. So if you test positive for two out of the three genes and the gene you don't test positive for is Omicron or is um, the S gene, then you are infected most likely with Omicron and not Delta. All of this is done by epidemiologists at the population level. You don't get these results necessarily. Okay. okay? The other way is we actually just sequence the entire genome, all 30,000 letters. That's actually taking the same material from your test and doing a bunch more molecular biology, and it's fairly expensive. So we don't actually sequence every test uh, for all 30,000 letters. We take, we aim for about 10% of tests. But again, if you have, you know, 10,000 cases in New York City and you're sequencing 1,000 cases and it's either going to be Delta or Omicron, that gives you a pretty good estimate of what's going on at the population level. I have a question. Mm. Okay. Do, is there any evidence to suggest that, let's say, mm. for example, my friend Nikki, who has completely recovered from her breakthrough infection, mm -hmm is now super immune. Uh, and any infection is likely to boost your immunity. So, um, you know, she will have a, a, an immune response to that infection, just like you would have to a booster. So some of the early data on Omicron compared people with two Pfizer shots 
to two Pfizer shots plus recent infection. And the people with two Pfizer shots plus recent infection had a much stronger immune response. So you can kind of think about infection being akin to uh, a vaccine dose. Obviously, what we want to do is get people boosted and not infected because then they won't get sick. They will have zero likelihood of severe infection and and no likelihood of the ongoing long COVID, which can be such a problem. And also, um, is, it, is, it, is it long COVID that causes variants? Uh, it is not long COVID that causes variants. We, as of now, don't have any evidence in people with long COVID of the virus continuing to replicate. Okay. We think it's more of an immune dysfunction that is caused by the infection, uh, although it's still a little controversial. I just want to add on the testing front because I've gotten a lot of questions about this in my text messages and DMs and emails. Your rapid tests and your PCR tests right now will still um, confirm they will still be positive. They still work against Omicron. Okay, so uh, all of our and Kenya, you asked, you know, are we going to be back where we were March 2020? No, we're not. If you'll remember March, April 2020, because of dysfunction in the federal government, there was no testing. It is incredibly frustrating to me and other science advocates right now that you cannot get a test within five minutes everywhere in this country. That is fucked. We've had two years to do this. Um, but we do have those tests. We do have the rapid home tests. And I'm hoping that within the next 10 days, we see a fucking response by the fucking government to ensure that everyone can get tested very easily. It's very frustrating that that's not happening. So you should be using testing uh, if you feel sick, if you've been exposed, just if you want to get tested once a week, you are going to go to a, a gathering, just do a rapid test beforehand. It's not perfect, but it will help a lot. Um, you know, we know so much more. We know, April 2020. We were still thinking that masks weren't going to help at all. Girl, we know masks help. Masks help immensely, you know? And like Tommy is saying before we started going about, you know, doing riskier things like going to the gym, get that KN95, put two surgical masks on, you know, really like the next week or 10 days. I have no idea how this Omicron thing is going to go. Early data out of South Africa, it's like Omicron shoots up. And then it, it seems like it's dropping and it seems like something similar might be happening in England. So, you know, could this be like two rough weeks and then actually it's not that bad? It could. I don't know. No one really. We're all a bit perplexed. Okay, so it could I, be I do or know, it could be two months. I, I do T- tell know. Us teams, I do know. Prognosticate. Um, it'll be like, just give us, give us, give us a fortnight. We'll be good. Give us a fortnight. Team says one. It's the Omicron fortnight and then we'll be good. I hope you're right. I, With I this hope government, that's... I mean, okay. I have a, another question. Um, yep. Do you think that one should overdose on boosters? No. Okay. Uh, I I don't think so. So uh, not I've the been, more the better. Not the more the better. Um, one should follow uh, the guidance from the FDA and the CDC. Not that they've gotten everything right, right, but. Um, and not that I'm the person who's always like, trust the science, science <laughs> knows best. But we know about the um, the vaccinations that work well against Omicron because there were clinical trials. Clinical trials serve a crucial purpose. I've been encouraging people as, as much as they can to, to do vaccinations along the lines that have been done by clinical trials. Okay. So that you so that you know when to get boosted so right. that you can say. It's six months since my second shot. Now is time for a booster because we know that's important against this variant. So I don't think you should be, you know, uh, you know, sort of <laughs> lying and get seven shots and yeah. say I'm on that. You know, I, I wouldn't um, act that way. And, you know, one of the big things that um, we're working on now in COVID advocacy is global access to mRNA vaccines. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, it's not true that not getting boosted is going to produce a shot that can uh safely and and properly make it to South Africa to get a, a, a person in in that country vaccinated. That's just not how it works. Yeah. Um, but we do need to be using all of our political will to not to say that it's not okay that Americans get boosted with three mRNA doses that are awesome. And the people in lower and middle income countries get a, a single subunit spike vaccine that we know is 40% effective against the original strain for yeah. infection. It's not as good a vaccine. We need to be arguing that everyone on this planet deserves access to the best vaccines that prevent infection and they're the most efficacious at presenting uh, preventing se- severe disease and death. So this is also we've been saying this for over a year when it was clear how good the mRNA vaccines were. We're like, well, th- everyone should have that then. Mm. Um, and, well, the and fact- also like 
This yes. seems obvious, but it's better for everyone mm-hmm. along the globe, including Americans, mm-hmm. if everyone in the globe is able to access the best vaccine possible, right? Like this seems uh, like public I would this would, would seem like common sense to me. But I'm so, not a scientist. And 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 we can mathematically model that, you know? Uh every infection with SARS-CoV-2 gives the virus an opportunity to evolve. Uh, evolution mm-hmm. creates variants. Variants then have a selective advantage or disadvantage, and some can come around that change the worldwide situation like Omicron has. If we had you know, ensured that everyone on the planet had access to a vaccine that was 95% efficacious against infection, would we have Omicron? I can't for sure say that we would not, but it is entirely possible that that type of a vaccination strategy would have prevented this type of variant evolution. Yeah, like uh, months ago, my see. mother was like, I'm, she was like, oh, I'm not going to get boosted I've, until everyone can get the shot. And I was like, bitch, go get boosted. <laughs> go get boosted. I mean, it helps. Okay. Just do it. Wait, so just. So capitalism is, is literally killing us. Yes. Oh, it's, it's, it's very literally. deadly at a time of pandemic. I mean, there's also a, a New York Times article from my I think September when COVID cases were falling, that literally the companies that made Binnex now just destroyed a bunch of tests because they weren't needed. They had like an, ex- they had a, a, they were, would last seven months. Those tests could be used right now, uh, but they were just who? destroyed to keep the market price high. This is, is so annoying. I just, okay. So See? another question, Joe, the last, yes. I'm sorry. So just, yeah, we got time for one more. I, think. I know from, from where you're standing, from what you know, being a genius, um, it is Blech. Tuesday, December 21st, 2021, and it's looking fucking bad. So yeah. for our thoughties around the globe, how would you recommend we act towards the end of this month and the beginning of next month? Like, should yeah. we be like still having a kiki in a small way if everyone's yeah. negative? Like, what what would you recommend that we just all like sit down uh, and away? I, you know, I... I don't give people. I give people options, not advice. Okay. Um, I I do I like think that. it's important. I do think it's important to be really w- risk aware right now, especially if you have immunocompromised or elders <laughs> in your life. Um, that you know you can be asymptomatic, test negative on um, a low sensitivity rapid rapid test. Uh, you know, a friend of mine had a work party. This was before we knew about Omicron and how bad it was going to be. Everyone was rapid test. As they went into the work party, it was indoors at a bar. One person ended up having a false negative and 15 people from his job caught COVID at that one event. Um, You know, so I I think, you know, personally, what I'm doing is I'm having I'm potted again. So I'm having small sort of one on one dinners and this is that my partner and I are still planning on having his parents over on Christmas Day for dinner um, with rapid tests. Uh, I'm still planning on going to California with testing before and after, and everyone's sort of aware of um, the the risks involved. Uh, but I, you know, and, and this is something I've been saying for um, really since you know February, March, 2020. This is a really hard time. It's very difficult emotionally. We are back in the ringer. It's also just the whiplash of being like, oh, we're okay, we're not okay. Oh, we're okay, we're not okay. Constantly having to adjust your risk behaviors. You know, I, I suggest everyone get in real good touch with whatever city you live in. It, that city should have a COVID tracker that tells you how many cases there are in your city at that time. And that's really what should drive your risk decision. I know it's exhausting, right? But I think fundamentally if we reframe this into um, taking care of one another and through making decisions not to gather in large groups, that's actually a deeply socially connected decision because it's saying, I care about you. I care about our community. I care about your health. Uh, And that makes me feel good. It makes me feel good to, to lead with love and care for my friends and communities. And, and, you know, absolutely to be like, this is really shitty for my mental health. And, you know, if I have to go to the gym, I do it as safely as possible. If I'm seeing my partner's family on Christmas day, I do that as safely as possible, but just to lead with, with, with care, um, with caution, um, and with, with love for one another and our fucking queer ass community. That's, you know, I, I try to feel good about it. That was beautiful. Gay, gay. I think it's time we got to the meat of our discussion, the thought process spelled T-H-O-T. T-H-O-T. And this week, our bratwurst is brought to you by none other than Dan Michelle. 
Woo! <laughs> <sighs> oh, Dan, if, if you were a sausage, what type of sausage would you be? Patty. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd, I think I think you'd be an Italian sausage. I believe an that. A spicy Italian I'd say sausage. That, yeah. I'd be a vegetarian sausage. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> oh, all things are possible through Christ who strengthens me. Period. Oh, Sorry, Happy birthday, y'all. Jesus. I grew up in the church. Ooh, I grew up in the church. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Kenya. Mm-hmm. Speaking of. Fatigue. <laughs> tired. I'm sick and tired. Of being of sick and tired. Sick and tired. Woo. Um, I don't know about y'all, but I studied French in high school. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Oui. And <laughs> my Mr. favorite thing was quiet. to run around the upper commons of my prep school, bring my palms to my forehead, and dramatically faint in the arms of any boy who would have me, proclaiming "Je suis fatigué." Why you ask? Because I was tired. (laughs) I am tired. We're all tired. Sick and tired. Not just tired, but fatigued, exhausted, nearing the end of our ropes. Some of this is adulthood, paying bills, navigating relationships, working jobs. Some of this is surviving capitalism, a sham of a system designed to profit from our struggle. And some of it is the pandaria that we're still living in. There's individual exhaustion, the nights I choose to fall down a Michelle Kwan YouTube wormhole rather than write because I'm tired at the end of the day. And there's collective exhaustion, the memes going around reminding Joe Biden we can vote his ass out of office if he doesn't cancel student loan debt and other more explicit promises that were made and haven't yet been kept. And sometimes our bodies and our minds tell us, they force us to slow down and rest. Whatever the source of your exhaustion, I want um, to know, my darling thought toddies, what's making you tired now? And how are you coping with it? Keeb's, your face is like losing I know. I'm just Keeb's like, face fuck. almost fell off. Well, let me just tell you, like, I just wrote a season finale of a television show. And Ooh. afterwards, Ooh. you know, That's it's like baby. when you... But you have that, you work on that thing, you have that thing, and then you press send. And I was empty. Like I had, mm. I was a mm. shell. I was, mm. a, you know, like that type of exhaustion where I was like, there was adrenaline and then there was the send. And then I was like, what am I? Like there, I literally felt like a vessel that oh was poured out, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I'm just recovering. I, I, I hit send on like Sunday uh, and I've had a day or so <laughs> to recover. And I'm just like, I just like I was like rocking back and forth in my living room, just being like, mm-hmm. what, "What am I doing now? I don't know what mm-hmm. I do now. What do? Who am I?" Like because it was such an intense work process, yeah. and I was just mm-hmm. like, "What day is it? What time is it?" I can tell you that that is what is exhausting me right now, and what recharges me is fucking Tom Ford sunglasses. I don't know. Like I don't know. I don't <laughs> Get it, know. Because, retail therapy, to yes. retail therapy. Because yes. the thing that would it's recharge real. me, to be honest with you, would be hanging out. With people right, having right. those discussions, you know, like getting into that groove and, and, and again, like experiencing the psychedelic attraction of another human being. And I just don't have access to that right now. Teebs, I, oh my God, I um, have also, you know, one of the things I like about teaching at the university level is that you're on a treadmill, but there's always like a, a finishing line. Like what you say, you have a deadline, you turn that thing in and you get to theoretically recover. Um the kids this semester have not been okay. It has been the hardest semester that I've ever had in academia. I know I am not alone. It has. Wow. It was a struggle. Um, we all are, you know, not doing great. Uh, and then, like, the semester ended, but then I have grading. And then I have mm-hmm. students in my email inbox about their grades. And it just, it, it feels like it will not and it won't. It's just not. It was supposed to have ended, and it did not end. And I am just very, very tired. And then on top of that, I had my final draft of 
uh, the Book of Essays virology out in June. Yeah. Um, the the page proofs and the formatting was due like literally on the last day of classes. So it was like a heavy lift semester wise, a heavy lift. Like basically, this is my last opportunity to make any substantive edits before pagination and things get locked in. And so it's like also this stress of like birthing this book that I care so much about and have poured so much time in, but I'm like doing it at the time where I am the most depleted, like, like Mm. nothing. My tank is empty and I don't, because I still have shit on my to-do list for the semester. What I really want is to just lie in bed all day, like really just to let my body and mind heal and recover and have time and space. But I haven't had that yet. And it's just been like dragging out this. I feel like I'm like, like I ran a marathon and broke my ankle at mile 20, Shit. but I decided to like continue like limping and walking to do the last six. But that's how I feel right now. Shit. That shit sucks. Yeah. Ooh. We're in a bad way. Oof. We are. Well, we are. I've always been tired. I was born <laughs> tired. It's mm-hmm. not just because I'm a black woman in capitalist America. I mean, so I have an autoimmune disorder, which leads to chronic mm-hmm. fatigue. Mm-hmm. So that's a thing. So I've mm-hmm. actually always been tired. And then I have chronic insomnia and I have the worst level of it, God. which is where medications won't work. The only <laughs> way oh. is to just stay up for like a week and reset your entire Oof. body. But I can't afford that. Um, so mm-hmm. I've just been generally tired and I feel like the more racism the more madness that happens Mm -hmm. like covid had me so tired and i think it Mm -hmm. was like anxiety on top of being tired because it was like a kind of sad exhaustion it wasn't just like regular tired and anxiety is exhausting it really is is. exhausting and like yeah like racially i was just like i don't this is looking real civil war real jim crow i can't in the pandemic globally, I was like, oh, my fucking God, I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just like and I feel like as a person that's lived with exhaustion, you just learn how to live with the exhaustion. Like, it's really sad because I was hoping that we were going to get to another po- like point of covid. Like, remember that time where we were like, we're all boosted. We can like have a drink together and be normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looks like that isn't so. And I think you just have to kind of learn to live with that exhaustion like mm-hmm. basically i'm so exhausted i'm not exhausted anymore what it's a whole you know what i circle. mean it's like Mind when blown, you Kenya. smoke Stop so it. much you're not even high anymore like i've never it just never becomes had your reality like my reality is just exhaustion so and everyone mm. else like i feel like the entire world is tired yeah Whereas, like mm. in, at yes. other times i felt mm. like damn, I'm really tired because everyone else was, like, really awake. Like, <laughs> And mm-hmm. I feel like now everyone's kind of just, like, powering down and feeling the way I have for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like it's just a new reality we kind of have to adapt to and, and do the best we can, but definitely be patient with each other because when you're fucking tired, shit happens. Mm-hmm. You mess yeah. up. Like, mm-hmm. your mental health goes to shit. and makes you more tired, and it's just, like, being exhausted is basically an illness and like people need to recognize mm. when it's happening and try to rest like your best yeah. try your very best to get some rest even if it's not sleep just like yeah i feel like that's what that's what i was gonna say because i too have uh, insomnia ken and like mm-hmm. it also is a kind that like occasionally a kind of medication might work right but but it but it but i can snap myself out of it like my body will snap Mm -hmm. me out of it and that's so fucking frustrating and so there are times i feel like again i'm a shell of a human being no light behind my eyes just walking forward and trying (laughs) to be in a good way and (laughs) yeah but the thing with paralysis yeah the thing that sucked about 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 this exhaustion in particular was that i worked really really hard on something and i hit sent and then when i when i when i was getting filled up again and taking account of the world it was all Omicron and I was like I don't want this and I just yeah. and, and like that that just led to a panic attack and oh, so I God. went outside and I took a walk and I was just like I just need to keep going I went and got a turkey BLT a BLT with turkey not turkey bacon I had regular bacon and, mm-hmm. and, I, and but like I saw mm-hmm. I was on Larchmont and I saw my friend Loma 
And I never run into people on the street in Los Angeles. And we we talked until the sun went down. And we were outside, Mm. but I was just like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I needed that. I needed that. Amazing. Mm-hmm. I just I got Loma's book in the mail, by the way, which I'm mm-hmm. so excited for. Um, I So I agree with this. And I also just want to add in that, like, the four of us, as well as Fran in particular, like, we're all hustlers. And we're all doing a thousand one things just to, like, keep ourselves going economically, financially. And, like, we're a lot of us are in, in some ways, like, different circumstances than we even were when we started this podcast. And so... But that mentality, that like sort of scarcity mentality that's that I know at least for me governs so much about why I hustle so hard and am always saying yes to every little gig and every little thing like that mentality is not easy to go away. And I remember sort of like, this is not about capitalism. I mean, this episode is not, but I feel like that inherently plays a huge role in this. But like, I remember growing up and I was a kid and my mom had this like very depression era mentality because she was born in the forties, like right after that happened. And she was raised with that. And I was like, we are very clearly a middle-class family who like has some resources and, and, and we're not like, a we're not on the verge of going broke, but like so much of how she thought about money and everything was connected to that from her like childhood. Right. And so it's these, these things like follow us through everywhere. And so part of like, Part of like my exhaustion and a lot of people's collective exhaustion, I think, especially given what the last two years has been, is really centered around these things and really feeling and seeing a kind of scarcity that um, that we work so hard to like move away from. Yeah. And it's just like it's like it's coming up behind you like this monster that you can't escape sometimes. And so you just hustle really, really hard. And I remember like maybe... It was like right before Thanksgiving, I think, or yeah, right before Thanksgiving, I think I had this kind of crazy day where a bunch of random, very strange things happened in publishing. A lot of people who like had some power sort of like doing things that made no sense. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I think everyone, literally everyone needs a complete break from mm-hmm. Thanksgiving through Christmas. Like th- mm-hmm. we, there should be no coming back to work. Like everyone needs. And of course, like, I mean, I came back to work. We all came back to work, but I was like, everyone is tired. Everyone's losing their mind. We're all like living in this context that is so different from anything that we've lived in before. Mm-hmm. Obviously pandemics have happened before, but our circumstances are just so different. And people are like at the end of their ropes, like yeah. everyone collectively, you could like see it mm-hmm. online. And so Anyway, for me, that's one of the things that's tiring me out right now. Like, I'm generally a pretty energetic person, but I have been exhausted to new levels as well the last few months. And, like, I'm always trying to sleep as much as I can. Um, And then sometimes I'm like, okay, this inability to get out of bed that I seem to have on weekends now, like, sometimes I'm like, is that tiredness or is that depression which is it it is it is is, you know a thing to look into look into the face of that because i do i definitely do the same well i'll be like god am i just really tired am i fucking depressed and it's like it could be both bitch exactly (laughs) also we contain multitudes (laughs) i feel like dead and fully has the opposite of the insomnia that the three of us have i feel like dead can sleep anywhere at any time it's like in a car on a chair Uh, one time dan had to let me into the house she was like the only person awake we were on tour and Dan had fully fallen asleep naked on her bed. I could see yeah. through the window and I was like banging on the window like, <laughs> Dan, let me into yeah. the Airbnb. But yeah. naked on the bed, out of the shower, didn't get dressed, passed out. The, yeah. the I mean, listen, you got a great view of my ass, so <laughs> Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> the, the places Dan sleeps should be a Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> <laughs> I won't really sleep anywhere. That is a problem I I do not have, and I hope I never get. It's like such a... Oh, insomnia is like my middle name, my sexuality. I've had it since I was like six. Right? Um, You know, I feel like I have such a a weird relationship to this crisis. When I look at everyone... I mean, we are dealing with everyday anxiety of maybe or maybe not getting a deadly virus with every social interaction we have. That is going to change us for forever in the same Mm -hmm. way that HIV changed sexual interactions through the 80s and 90s. Anyone who lived with that will never have sex again. Anyone who lives with this will never have social interactions again. It's the same way again. It's just not like to imagine that that we're going to snap out of this and just be normal and fine as we were before is like not 
I, I mean, think not I was a normal or fine before I needed, but <laughs> no, normal F5 for our own. Wait, so do you self. think like- people are never going to have sex again? No, I mean, people, that's the thing is people are going to have social interactions and people are going to be have weird, sex. even even in the time, even in the HIV crisis, in the the early plague years, people were still having sex. It's just that thing is always there as well. Whereas, you know, now it's like every social interaction we have, we can kind of forget about it, but we kind of know that, you know, there's a there's a thing in the room, like there's a possibility in the room. Like every time I'm at a bar, I'm like, there is a part of me that is cognizant of the fact that like there's another thing in the room that didn't used to be there. Yeah. Uh, and that oh, is just it, that that sits heavy on, on us. So are the kids going to not have friends? I mean, they're going uh, wait, to. The thing is, they're, they're going, going to. to. They will. And I have friends with teenage children and wow. they are scarred. I mean, the yeah. whole generation of them I is feel scarred. so bad I mean, for them. We, I know, but we are too. No. But it's like, I remember like at high, the, my high school years, my social interactions are what yeah. saved my life. Right. 100%. Right. 100%. I feel so bad. Wait, what is the generation under Gen Z called? Uh, like, what are they? Gen C, it's Gen COVID. <laughs> Gen, Gen C! Oh my yes. god, teams! No, you just you know, pointed no, those but babies like with them. that. I feel so bad for them because I feel yeah. like their mm-hmm. their um their human interaction meter and like how they view yeah. human interaction has to be conditioned negatively, probably. I mean, like I can only imagine. This is developmentally disastrous I know. for people. Well, it's also it's it's I think for everyone, uh, young people are are impacted by this probably more, but for everyone, you know, one of the dumb kind of theories of um, a way uh, a way of thinking about depression is learned helplessness, right? Yeah. This experience of having something bad happen to you and not being able to do anything about it and just having to sort of accept it, that that actually can be a trigger for um, for clinical depression. And, you know, th- this this is that, right? Like, it's it, this thing is happening to all of us. And I feel really lucky as, like, a scientist trained in microbiology that I've always felt like, oh, I can do something about this. Like, this is, like, literally I've trained my entire life to be able to be a part of, like, the biomedical and educational response to this. And I think that's given me a huge amount of meaning. I don't know if it's helped anybody else in the world out, but it has helped save my life through this. Mm. And I, mm-hmm. I feel like that is such, when I look at my friends, it's like I feel really lucky in a way because I can feel like I'm doing something. You are doing and something. I, I don't know what, like, having to live through this time and not being able to feel like you can do anything about it just to have to accept it. I just, it's, it's going to be fucked for an entire generation, including us. I want to bring up something that Den said again into the, into the room, because I think it bears repeating. And also it's just when when you've got the hustle mindset and the mentality and you got to be going, got to be going, got to be going. I, I can't, I'm trying to do something different, but I don't know how to find self-worth outside of being productive. I don't. And and because of that, yeah. And because of that, like a a rest feels like an impediment, like Mm -hmm. letting go chilling out not doing something in a day it feels like i'm yeah it feels like i'm doing something bad so my my whole relationship to rest is weird and and, but so in that case i'm just eternally exhausted and this part of the year is the hardest part for me because this is the part where everything stops you know and like people go into hibernation or they go into their with their biological families and they they and and then work stops and the the thing that i have to feel good about the productivity it it ends Mm -hmm. and i'm left in this fugue state the static of december january which is like Mm. i i I don't i I feel like i'm a i feel astral in the way that's like i don't have a body where am i i'm free floating i don't know who i am i don't know where my edges are i'm gonna i'm gonna take you on a fucking hike when i come to la in two weeks time bitch please i also please this is hilarious Mm. because team's whole thing is like i don't want to hike never team is always like i don't want to hike it's walking but slightly harder yeah it's just like that. I know Teebs is in a different situation. I will do it every day. I will I mean, do it every day. I also think you do just feel restful and in your body, but in a physical way. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that also Kenya. going astral is sometimes the only choice when you've reached a certain point of exhaustion. Oh and I think that if you have to go astral to save yourself, then bitch, go astral. 
Mm-hmm. And that's all I have to say about that. Okay. You know no, what? You do. <laughs> yes. I have the Kenya stamp of approval. I'm going to fucking do with it. I mean, yeah. You did it for literally that photo shoot. Te- you fully astral, pro- astral projected. Teams is falling apart into his molecules and floating <laughs> off of the screen right now. <laughs> you, know what's, you know what's actually kind of strange is that, like, going that, speaking of going astral on that photo shoot, um, <laughs> I expected when when there was like a and we can cut this out if it's stupid and it seems like braggy, but I expected when there was a motion picture camera in front of me, I would do the same thing, and I did the opposite. Mm. I actually felt Ooh. I actually felt very much in my body, like huh. I didn't feel like above it at all. I so it's like it, it was a weird um, transitional feeling, but it's like being in front of a crowd. You know, it was yes. like that mm-hmm. same thing. I was there. I was only there, and that felt so good and so healthy. And again, like that was a part of like what drove my former career and that like, it was weird to have something so energetic and that was also so exhausting. Like I'd go back to my hotel that like, and I would just sit there and like, again, not be able to sleep, but then just be like, I don't have brain power to do anything. (laughs) It's so like the, the thing that I feel like everyone is circling around here in this part of the conversation is like what happens when the thing that you need the thing that fills you up the thing that gives you fulfillment also exhausts you and you have to stop because it's a merit life is a marathon not a sprint and creativity is a marathon not a sprint performance is a marathon not a sprint you will burn yourself out and metaphorically die at 27 like amy fucking winehouse or so ever you know you you know you need so it's like i've i'm the way that I think about it when I'm like lying in bed and sleeping until literally one in the afternoon or just playing with my dog in bed until one in the afternoon after semester when I'm so exhausted is I, I like I have to almost trick my brain into being like, this is part of the work. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I'm working right now in that I'm giving myself the rest that I need to continue making work in two weeks time in January when I can work on my novel again or whatever. But like if I try to get up out of bed at like nine or ten and start working on that project now like it's just it's not gonna happen like it's it is like a part of the praxis my creative project whatever the fuck it is you want to call it to to take those moments and to sit in the fugue state to sit dissociated to sit in the Mm -hmm. void to stare at that shit to not try to fill it up with anything other than like hiking maybe or Mm -hmm. i think you know seeing friends if you can safely but like it is (laughs) just i thought you were gonna say semen (laughs) (laughs) i mean uh, (laughs) i don't know that ho is the biggest cum slut on this show but we do need to go there ho is definitely Um, the biggest cum slut on this show pretty anyway this sort of transitions seamlessly into the last question that i do want to ask you guys which is just simply um how like what happens when we start to reframe fatigue and we embrace our limitations as part of our human experience well i don't have limitations so (laughs) i mean i think it gets to a point where you have to um Mm -hmm. just accept your physical and mental limitations i feel like a lot of people are having to do this with covid but like for instance if you've had chronic insomnia chronic fatigue any sort of sickness will sit your ass down and teach you some shit and like you just Mm -hmm. have to trust your body like you can't fight against that shit you quite literally Mm -hmm. can't And I just think um, the more you realize that you have a limitation and just accept it, like, I think that's embracing it, just learning how to live with it. Because you you always can. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. And it is that feeling of that it's like 4.30 in the morning. I know I'm not going to be sleeping. Right. And there is there is actually, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say a calm, mm-hmm. but a reckoning with yourself reckoning. where you're just like, I'm just going to be here then. Yep. Yeah. You just like, mm-hmm. fuck it. Yeah. Fuck it. I, I want to come back to something Ken Ken said earlier about um, how we view other people in this time. We're all tired. Yeah. Everyone is tired. Um, you know, I, I dealt this way with my students a lot this semester. Like, I am so I, – I wonder if the fact that we know that everyone is tired can be a call for connection, patience, uh, empathy, you know, mm-hmm. sort of like embracing the fatigue of others. Yes. Like, a- accepting that everyone is coming at you all the time mm-hmm. with their mm-hmm. own pain, trauma, and just bone-weary tiredness and that doesn't mean having no boundaries that doesn't mean not protecting yourself it just means sort of being mindful Mm -hmm. in how you consider others and their own shit that they are we are all you know 
pandemics are collective, a collective experience of trauma lived in real time. Uh, unlike the HIV pandemic, where it was like just fags who were really experiencing the trauma and we had to sort of convince everyone else on the world that our deaths mattered. You know, this is a pandemic. We are all experiencing it in real time. Uh, and we are all going to have this collective embodied memory. And I think at its best, that can be a call to to love one another better. Amen. Mm, I'm feeling full, but, like, I could fit one more thing inside of me. Dead knows how I feel. Ew. <laughs> Come, slut. Uh, uh, bitch, what? Okay, what we're going to get into for our dessert this week is a little Netflix movie, an awful Netflix movie it's called, so bad. called Single All the Way. I Single balls, single balls, single balls the way. It was getting white. No. It was giving very white. It was I, giving I, rich? It was, oh, very white. I, okay. It was, it was giving upper middle class. Uh-huh. Can I just, can best, I just I say, say what frustrated me the most about this movie? And I, it, What's the premise, Teebs? What's the premise? The premise is like somebody wanting to be in a relationship, which is a stupid premise, but I get it. It's a rom-com. <laughs> I got the plant thing. That was funny. I liked the plant thing. But but like all of the um all of the uh, what is it called? The the uh, the dialogue. Oh, you know. Oh, yeah. It was like worst, but you're a worst. famous writer who has a lot of money and you're sitting on it and then it's like and then you buy me a plant shop. It was just like this exposition is so infuriating. And I feel like it was like a person and I looked up the the writer and and I think he probably heard the Whitney Houston uh Christmas song and was like I want to write a movie that can put this song that I can put this song in. And like that's mm. the 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 framing mm. device because <laughs> It was it was by an algorithm is what I thought. So I mean, just even learning that so the, a person is the, behind it is quite earth shattering for me. Um, <laughs> I thought it was written by <laughs> LAI. Um, but like, I don't know. Netflix is it's giving like Y two K lifetime Christmas movie where it's like you're mm-hmm. giving absolutely yeah. nothing. And yeah. like, I'm I'm not Listen. sure if it's like camp or like trying to be meta. Like, I don't know if I'm just like oh, not I, smart enough to get the joke, but. Mm. No, I think it's earnest. It's saccharine. It is. It is. Yes. A, it, is it is. It is. It is a. It saccharine. is a gay rom com. So the premise of the movie it's like two best friends who are clearly really good for each other, but both of them are a little too afraid of ruining their friendship or of intimacy or whatever to get together, and they go together to visit his um, one of the one of the roommates' family, where everything is about children and having babies and this and that and okay look we can have our critical i have a hat on now it's called my critical theory hat (laughs) you know we can we can understand the way that race operates as a vector in this space you have a person Mm -hmm. of color a black person and a white person it's never discussed you know you can talk about the way that um that class operates in this very wealthy New Hampshire town, skiing town. You can talk about the the fact that the only way to be happy, um, as imagined by this movie, is to be in a couple. That, you know, sort of a platonic roommate best friend situation, which frankly sounds kind of awesome, you know, isn't enough, right? For either of the characters or for the character's family, one can d- dissect uh, the movie's sort of expectations, its understanding of working class labor. You know, one of the roommates is um, a task rabbit, but yet he has money from, like, intellectual labor where he was a book writer of, of a children's book and the other one is a creative gay in sort of low-level Hollywood and, you know, think about how those labors are depicted on, on film in the movie and that's kind of all very interesting. But fuck it. Fuck all of that. Fuck it all. I loved the fucking movie. I, I drank yeah. wine with my boyfriend. It is uh, a horrible, bad, stupid movie <laughs> that I enjoyed the shit out of because I am fucking tired i'm tired okay i'm allowed uh-huh. to enjoy dumb fucking things straight people have been enjoying fucking horrible rom-coms for their whole fucking life let us make shit movies and just enjoy them for being horrible hmm. i'm gonna I mean, yeah. i'm gonna do something i rarely do and agree wholeheartedly with Joseph Osmondson. Nah, y'all are messy. <laughs> on this show, on, on this show, I, this is the thing. I was comparing it to that shit show that was on Hulu last year. That was all about 
shame, right? And the concept with that, it was a lesbian movie with Kristen Stewart and someone else whose name I don't know, was that the other girl never told her family that she was gay mm. and she brought her girlfriend home and was like, oh, like, I just told them that your family died, which is true in the story and that that's why you're spending Christmas with us, not because we're actually in love and, and a couple. And it was just like, that was like a movie that felt like it had been written for like 2003 America, which isn't to say mm-hmm. that these things don't happen yeah. and closet. Like, of course people are still in the closet and all of that, but it didn't even feel timely. And, and it was just all about queer shame. And I was like, we don't like keep it. Like we don't need that at the end of a pan at the, what I thought was maybe the end of a pandemic or the first year in a pandemic. Oh, so adorable. And, I know. And Look so at you. with this one, it was so fun. I felt like while much of the dialogue was bad, it felt very realistic to me. Like I was like, I feel like I've been at this kitchen table and I've True. heard this conversation before. Bad but like, from Right? I, I I also nicknamed the two nieces. I was like, well, one of them is Virginia Plath and the other is Sylvia Wolf. And okay. they were like... <laughs> That was a fun lens to look at the movie through. I, I was like, that is something that Sylvia Wolf would, Wolf would say. Mm-hmm. So it was fun. But I will say my one problem with the movie... Also, I have to get this out there. I've had a crush on Michael Yuri since Ugly Betty. I just huh. always found mm. him to be really hot and like and, and, and cute. So I've always had a crush on him. He has so such like, bottom vibes, though. You oh, know yes. what's funny is like I... Don't feel that way, but I'm famous for getting <laughs> bottoms to top me. So I feel like maybe that would be the vibe. I don't know. But I will say this. The racial politics of the movie did bother me a little bit mm. because the in the couple, um, the one that's the children's book writer is black and he's visiting his white friend's family. And as soon as he gets there, he spends almost all of the family like in service to the white, yep. almost all of the film in service to this white family. He's like fixing their, pl- he is a tasker. And he genuinely is like, I love doing this. I love your family. And they're like, of course you don't have to do this. Blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, it's like 90 minutes of him being like, I'm going to ha- finish hanging your Christmas lights for you. I'm going to yep. do your plumbing <clears throat> because your uh, toilet is broken or whatever. And that's like the, the whole movie. Just constant physical the, labor. <laughs> constant physical labor. And I was like, I, that's just hard for me to stomach still as a black queer person who sometimes has spent holidays in my white friends' families and has never been asked to lift a finger or do anything. And y'all know me, I would not do it. I'm picturing Den on the roof right now, like installing Christmas lights and it is amusing to me. It's, 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 and then picture me falling off. Like, I just would not, right? Like, like I would imagine? be like, I would probably laugh if can someone's father you, asked me to do that. Can you, in the height of your imagination as creatives, bring up an image of dead Michelle Norris with a hammer? <laughs> yes, 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 and it's and it's in her brioche Swiss. I was gonna say, if st- sticking it up my sure, that's Woo! the only that is the only context. Yes. So, but that was the only thing that was a little bit for me. I was like, I am having a hard time with this, and it, I and I wonder if people will talk about it. But otherwise, I just thought it was fun and enjoyable, and it was joyous and funny. And Kathy and Jimmy and Jennifer Coolidge were spectacular. Agreed. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed yeah. with that. But the, yeah. the other part that I was just like, oh man, I mean, it was, it was very lifetime, but it was like, yes. there was like one gay in the town and they set him up and they hit it off and they're just wonderful. And there's no like, gays don't do that. Are you no, kidding me? No, no, there was no. no judgment at all. They weren't judging each other. It was just like, this is so unrealistic, but you know, it's a lifetime movie. Well, so Luke McFarlane is Canadian. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Dan. They're a nicer people. Oh, okay. Not the gays, Dad. Not the gays. Not the gays. Okay. I don't know. I've never been with a Canadian gay, actually. I've been with a Canadian straight. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I've never been with a Canadian, period. (laughs) Oh, my God. You're perfection. Get us out of it. I spent three weeks in Vancouver. I was like, all right, let me just see what's going on over here. Anyway, yeah. So. So, uh, 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 slay all the way, or what's it called? Single. Straight something. Single Sing- all the way. Single, yeah. single, single balls. all the way. <laughs> single all the way. At Netflix. Um, watch it. Give us your hot takes. We're very curious. 
This episode of Food for Thought is made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rosé and our new home at Stitcher. Our producer is our low-key gnocchi, Alexandra De Palma. Gnocchi! It's a gnocchi! It's a spicy gnocchi! Subscribe, rate, and review us five stars on iTunes or no more manicures for Ken Ken. Bet you better. (laughs) You better rate. You better subscribe for your fucking life. I am Tommy Pico, uh, Tommy Teebs Pico at Hey Teebs, H-E-Y-T-E-B-S on Instagram because I deleted Twitter. And I talked to Solma Sharif this morning and I think I might delete Instagram as well. Wow, wow. Teebs, don't do it. Don't leave us. I'm Joseph Osmondson. You can find me at www.josephosmondson.com where you can pre-order my book, Virology, out in June. And I'm Den Michelle Norris and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at The Den Michelle, and you can follow by Editorial Pursuits at Electric Literature. And I am Kenya Denise. You can find me on Instagram at Kenya underscore D-I-G-G underscore I-T. Um, I'm private, but I might let you follow me. Mm. Ooh, this is like a game. It's a game for our thoughties. Are you good enough for Kenya? I mean, we'll see. Oh, no. Kenya's selective. Find, find us on Instagram as Gay Sluts Who Read and join us on Facebook and Twitter at Food for Thought Pod. And finally, send your questions, thoughts, concerns, and dick, dick pics to thoughts at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. Does anybody check that email? Because <laughs> I do. I do it from time to time. Okay, do, do, they, time to time. do the girls send us dick pics? Or oh, no? the girls send us dick pics. Wow. Oh, you girls do send us dick pics. some. Anyway, as uh-huh. always, that's food, the number four, and thoughts spelled how? T-H-O-T-H-O-T-H-O-T-H-O-T-H-O-T-H-O-T-H-O-T-H-O-T-H-O-T-H-O-T-H-O-T-H-O-T-H-O-T-H-O-T-H-O-T-H-O-T-H-